are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on this Friday. We're going to be previewing that Washington Week 6 matchup with the 49ers. My guest today is Ben Standick. He covers Washington sports, including the Redskins for FanRag, for Scout.com. He's also part of the Locked On Podcast Network family. He's the host of the Washington Wizards, Locked On Wizards podcast. So we're going to talk to him a little bit. Going to hear from... Defensive coordinator Robert Sala, who took the mic today and and talked about a few things. And also hear from the newest 49er, Leon Hall, who actually grew up a 49ers fan. Follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Email the show, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. We are at LockedOn49ers.com. For those of you who used to use Audio Boom, either the app or just go to Audio Boom and use the stream to listen to LockedOn49ers, starting today, that is no more. So, you're probably not even listening to this episode. I should have told, told you guys about this yesterday, uh, but you might have seen it on my Twitter today. Audio boom, no more. All of your regular subscriptions, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you are a subscriber, that should be the same. We've moved over to a new network, the Panoply Network, which is a huge podcast thing, great thing for the podcast network, and they have a megaphone platform. So you'll see this stream from now on on the megaphone platform. If you go to LockedOn49ers.com, you'll find the links to everything you need to subscribe to the show, but you will no longer be able to listen on Audio Boom. so a heads up there. So let's start with some 49ers news and take a quick look at the injury report. We had a lot of limited participants, more than usual this week. Let's see, Ray Ray Armstrong, Navarro Bowman limited. Uh, he did not practice at all, actually, but that's not injury-related, just a veteran day off. Still, Joe Staley got veteran days off this week as well. Adrian Colbert limited in practice with a hamstring. Ruben Foster says limited, but it looked like he was practicing in full and moving around pretty well. We'll hear from Robert Saul in a second talking about how Ruben Foster looked in practice. Pierre Garçon getting a veteran day off. DJ Jones limited with a back injury. Uh, most of those limited injuries don't seem serious. George Kittle with a chest limited. Earl Mitchell limited. Eric Reed is on his way back. I think he's still not quite as far along as Reuben Foster, was, so we'll see if he's ready to play this week. But it looks like Reuben Foster might actually be ready to go. Uh, Jimmy Ward got a minor shoulder injury. He was limited in practice. Dakota Watson limited with a growing. And Akella Witherspoon still in the concussion protocol. And the only guy that did not practice due to an injury was... Kyle Juszczyk with a back injury. So that's uh, looking not good. And uh, when you're not practicing into the week and on Thursday, you know, things uh, things are not looking good. Actually, I, I take that back. There was a couple full participants that, uh, that were on their injury report. Bowman, Staley, and Pierre Garçon, they were all back as full participants. They took the day off on Wednesday's practice. So Kyle Juszczyk, the only guy who did not at all participate in practice. And so it's looking more and more like maybe – the fullback might not be there for the 49ers here in week six. A big bit of news around the NFL that came down on Thursday. Zeke Elliott's suspension is now back on. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals granted the league's emergency request to set aside an injunction and ordered uh, the district court in Texas to dismiss Elliott's case. So that means his six-game suspension is back on. Cowboys are off for week six, which means week seven, when the Cowboys come to Levi Stadium, if this all stays in place as it is right now, that'll be the first game that Zeke Elliott is actually suspended for this season. So the 49ers might miss Zeke Elliott after all. 
in Week 7. The NFLPA obviously is, is going to fight uh, on the other side of this thing. They released a statement saying the NFLPA is reviewing the decision and considering all options. The appellate court decision focuses on the jurisdictional issues. The failures of due process by the NFL articulated in the district court's decision were not addressed. So this, I don't even know. Once it gets in the lawyer's hands, this kind of stuff just gets crazy and it's it's out of my league. And so right now, it looks like Zeke Elliott's probably not going to play in week seven. But who knows, another ruling could come down before then and, and change all that. So we'll see. All right, let's get to the defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. Uh, he talked about a lot of things at the podium on Thursday after Thursday's practice. One of them was Reuben Foster and how encouraged he was, how Reuben Foster was moving around at practice. And yesterday he was sharp, uh, lined up, got people lined up. Uh, it was it was really cool to see because he hasn't really actually taken a live rep since and since whenever he got hurt. Uh, and to see the way he commanded the huddle and the way he got people lined up, it was really very encouraging. So a lot of fans have been disappointed about Rashard Robinson and Sala was asked about Rashard Robinson and what he could do for his consistency because he's shown flashes of being a very good cornerback, showed flashes last year as well and had some lapses. This is what Robert Sala had to say about Rashard Robinson. Uh, there's a difference between ready and prepared in my mind. Uh, everyone's ready to go take the field, but it's the ones who are prepared that actually have a consistent level of success um, for Rashard. The preparation starts in practice and having deliberate practice every single day going out and not taking any rep for granted. Uh, That's for the entire defense to create a consistency so that way we can perform week in and week out. It starts at practice and getting yourself prepared to play a football game. So um, for all those young guys, it's the same story, not just for Shard. So a lot of young players on this team and, yeah, consistency. Uh, I think the old saying was, Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So I think some focus there with Shard Robinson. I think there's some technique stuff he still needs to clean up, and I think he could still be a good cornerback. Uh, But, you know, the development is not a linear arc, and so there's some ups and downs. And so hopefully Rashard Robinson, by the end of the season, is playing much more consistent football and looks like that long-term starter at cornerback. Uh, On the topic of Navarro Bowman and how he got some rest in the last game and what the thinking is there with with getting the veteran some plays off during games. We'd like to give Navarro uh, a break here and there. The, the plan going in, we had we felt like we had a good plan with Navarro. We're playing a lot of snaps on defense. And, it, and it's like we talked about the D-line. They're, they're playing a lot of snaps. So we're, we're doing everything we can as a staff to make sure that those guys are fresh. Um, so they're there and available for crunch time. So an overtime or four-minute drive or two-minute, we've got all gas. Uh, and we're ready to execute the way we need to execute. So... The one series uh, to give him a quick breather uh, in the first half, quick series in the second half, that was the plan going in so we could have him for those crunch time moments because he is a vital part of this defense. So that was that was the plan, and we'd like to continue that. Yeah, I like that plan. It makes sense. When you go in all gas, no breaks, you're on the field so much as a defense, then you start to run out of gas. So guys like Navarro Bowman, and it goes for a lot of players, like he said, i got to give some guys some rest and filter some other players in there. you got 53 men or 50, 46 guys dressed for a reason. You know, filter some of these guys in there. Keep your good players, players fresh for crunch time. And on the topic of Navarro Bowman, what happens when he has a little pushback on the sideline, doesn't necessarily want to come out of the game? I would expect Bowman to be the most angry human being in the entire world. I would expect nothing else. And I would expect him to fight tooth and nail to come off the field. And I would expect him fight to fight tooth and nail to get back on the field. And uh, and that's why Bowman is a special football player, and that's why he's been fantastic his entire career. 
Yeah, angry Navarro Bowman is good Navarro Bowman. I got no problems with that either way. I got no problems with uh, Salah pulling him out of the game at times, giving him a rest. It's going to be a lot easier when when Ruben Foster is back, and then you've got Foster and you've got Ray Ray Armstrong, you got Brock Coyle, you got a full collection of linebackers to work with there. Although he did say he prefers not to move Ruben Foster around and, and, and move him back and forth between weak side linebacker and middle linebacker. So um, in nickel, I think Ruben Foster is going to stay on the field anyways, and it's okay. But on base downs, I think if they do give Navarro Bowman a rest, I still don't think Ruben Foster is going to be the middle linebacker. It'll probably be Coyle and Ruben Foster in that case, because he doesn't want to move Foster, move the rookie around to different positions. And it brings up the point to Solomon Thomas, who has been moving around, you know, between defensive tackle on passing downs, and he's played some Leo on on uh, base downs, and he's played some strong side defensive end and moved around quite a bit. So I think they're still trying to figure out where he fits, but I think ideally you'd you'd find one spot for him and maybe let him stick as well. So the newest 49er, Leon Hall, reporters caught up to him, and he had some things to say, and uh, actually he grew up, a fan of this football team. Maybe that's part of the reason why he was back. And maybe he can he can bring some of that veteran knowledge to the secondary and help some guys like Rashard Robinson out. You know, probably a couple, a couple weeks ago, 49ers became the, to me, the clear team that um, was interested the most, which I was excited about. Um, grew up a 49er fan, so it was kind of interesting. I've been keeping tabs on the team. I mean, they've they got some talent here. Um, I mean, there's... You know, and I'm, and I'm sitting at home and watching it, and I can see it, and it's just some some things that obviously can be tightened up. Um, you know, so that's kind of part of my excitement is coming here to, you know, try to help that, get that first tab under the win column, uh, and go from there. I like it. Welcome home, Leon. I like the idea of a veteran presence there in the secondary. I think that's something that is needed. We'll see how much playing time he actually gets here uh, in his first game with the Niners in Washington. It's about time to bring on Ben Standing, so let's get to our guest and talk Niners-Redskins Week 6 matchup. All right, joining me now is Ben Standing. He covers the Redskins for FanRag, Sports, and Scout.com. Also host on the Locked On Podcast Network on the NBA side for the Washington Wizards. Ben, really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, we are locked on uh, family, but I guess this week <laughs> our sides are enemies. Yeah, it's uh, like yeah, it's one of those uh, the battle of the uh, what are what's what's the families? Um, I don't know. Was well, this the Kirk? Is this the Kirk Cousins Bowl? The winner gets oh. Kirk Cousins. Isn't that basically <laughs> yeah, what it's all he, coming down to? He has to get back on the plane with the 49ers if they win. Although I think that's uh, set up for a Washington blowout of the 49ers, unfortunately, with the with the bye week and everything. But I guess yeah, Kirk Cousins is a great place to start. And I think most 49ers fans, especially, are going to way overreact to whatever the outcome is in this game. And I talked about it earlier this week on the podcast. If Kirk Cousins goes out and throws five touchdowns and torches the 49ers, everyone's going to be just completely on board. Most fans kind of already are anyways. But um, if 49ers maybe go into Washington, pull off an upset, we might see it go the other way. And 49ers fans say, hey, what's he's not even that much of an upgrade over Hoyer. Let's go to the draft for a quarterback. Oh, wow. Yeah, I hadn't even contemplated that he's not much better than a Hoyer aspect. <laughs> um, but, but not uh, Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is sort of fascinating. I mean, fortunately, in these parts, we've, you know, now that we're into the season and, you know, the, the questions have largely died down about the contract because I mean, there's nothing that can happen anyway until the offseason. Um, and, and, you know, the good thing about Kirk Cousins, he showed last year he doesn't let that stuff affect him. He, same thing last year on the franchise tag went out and had a you know a tremendous 
season, uh, certainly statistically. And, you know, he started off a little bit slow here, but, you know, they've looked better um, the, the, the last couple weeks. And um, one, one thing that's sort of standing out to me right now is he's doing it despite not really having great weapons so far. Um, you know, they lost to Sean Jackson and obviously Pierre Garcon to, to the Niners. Jordan Reed, the great tight end, he's been kind of banged up and that hasn't been at his best yet. Their running back situation is not an ideal starter. Robert Kelly is probably out this week. And yet they've been not bad. I mean, you know, he, he's been good enough. I mean, it hasn't been perfect. I don't think he's necessarily lighting up the world statistically, but, but he's been pretty good. I mean, seven touchdowns, one pick. I mean, that, that kind of works. Yeah, no question he's going to be a rich man. I kind of said the Hoyer thing tongue-in-cheek, but some fans will definitely overreact yeah. no matter what happens. But uh, uh, he'll be a rich man in March no matter what. Just a question of which team is going to be signing his checks. Kyle Shanahan has talked about his his uh, toughness and accuracy as a quarterback. What else does Cousins bring to the table as an NFL quarterback? And uh, maybe what are his weaknesses if, if you're sort of nitpicking on Kirk Cousins? Well, he's been—he's he, a pretty accurate thrower. I mean, I think that's pretty good. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's pretty standard to say for any quarterback if they're—if given time, they can make the throws. But with him, he—he—he goes—he's a top five quarterback in the league when you look at the numbers when he's able to throw w- w- without pressure. And um, so, you know, it's one thing to say quarterbacks are better when they don't have pressure, but he really takes it to another level. Um, he, he, he fairly mobile. He he can make some plays. Uh, in the last game against Kansas City, he was really uh, actually running a fair amount uh, in that game. You don't probably people don't think of him in that way. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, he's very good mentally in terms of being able to compartmentalize what's going on in his life. It seems um, he's a very regimented player. He I'm not sure if he's still doing this, but there were points in his career where he was literally breaking down his day on a schedule by every 15 minutes. Uh, which, you know, it's, I can let two hours go by of, of, of <laughs> nothingness before I realize I need to get up and actually do things. Yeah. Uh, but he's that regimented. And like I said, he's been able to, despite this contract uh, uncertainty, his future, who knows, he, he's able to get out there and play. So I think that's a, those are pretty good signs. And, and also, you know, he has that sort of all shucks uh, vibe about him. But but he's got a little bit of an edge. He he you know he did have some tough times early in his career here, playing behind RG three, getting really no shot. That uh, that 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 kind of fueled him. Uh, I I'm pretty sure um, to to once he did get the opportunity for real to take advantage of it, and obviously he's he's done that, and you know he's done a great job for the most part. Contract wise, how do you see things playing out with Cousins? And I can't believe a deal hadn't gotten done yet. Is a another franchise tag even possible or on the table? And uh, what do you see happening there? Is there uh, is there a, a reason or maybe a shakeup in the uh, in the front office from last season that might help or hinder Cousins re-signing with Washington? So I'm trying to think back in my head here. What were all my personal talking points about this over the summer? Um, yeah, I think everybody at a basic level we're all sort of like, boy, it's kind of crazy that things didn't get done. Except that it's really not. Uh, for whatever the reason, the Redskins came in kind of low with their offers. I mean, ultimately, by giving the franchise tag, he made $24 million this year. So it's not like, you know, that's hardly a disaster by any stretch. Um, but they couldn't get things done. They couldn't get things done, at least on some part, because when the Redskins made an offer, which most people said in and of itself wasn't that great, Kirk Cousins' side never countered. Um, they came out and said they didn't counter. And to me, that was just one of several signs 
to me that says, I don't think he actually wants to stay. Um, I, I think he's had bad feelings from the organization during that RG3 era when he wasn't given a chance, when he was basically told, you know, you're going to sit behind the guy who, uh, you know, is equal to you in terms of the, your draft class. And RG3 was fawned over, not just by fans, but by ownership, by management. And Kirk Cousins has never really been given that level of love, it would appear. So all that said, I just don't get the sense that Kirk Cousins is dying to stay here. And what does that mean for the offseason? Obviously, the Redskins hold some cards. They could, in theory, franchise tag him again. But, you know, what are we talking about? $30 million, I think, at that point, if my memory That's, serves right. Yeah, something, something, like, something that. like that. Depending on how it all breaks out. I mean, that starts to become insane. But, you know, who knows? I mean, if the Redskins have a great year, I feel like he and John – John. I feel like he and Jay Gruden get along fairly well. So I don't think there's any issue there if the Redskins have a good year and he and Gruden continue to thrive. Gruden is now the play caller for this team. Maybe that changes his tune. Um, he did just, he and his wife just had a, a baby. Maybe, you know, maybe that gives him a new perspective of life. I don't know. But based on how things went, my sense is he doesn't want to stay and we're reaching a point where it seems hard to think they can franchise tag him again. And if he, you know, therefore, if he gets to free agency, you know, I guess you got to see what's out there, but I would think he would leave. Yeah, it's, it seems like it, it would go that way. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the family. That's probably a big part of it. It seems like with Kirk Cousins, that might be a pretty big factor, maybe even more of a factor than than some people just hearing him talk about it. And so I guess you got to sell the whole family on on California if you are trying to get Kirk Cousins to, to move across the country. You mentioned his receiving core. Josh Doxson was a guy I loved coming out of TCU. I've seen some flashes of his athletic ability and acrobatic body control, but it looks like he's struggling with consistency and staying healthy. Terrell Pryor is a freak in his own right. Um, he's on a one-year deal, though, and hasn't been consistent either for that offense. Jordan Reed, like you mentioned, always banged up. Seems like consistency issues with Kirk Cousins' receiving core. How, how are they lining up coming into this game? Yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of been the thing. You went from, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, you know, both guys have been proven veterans, you know, pretty high up in the league in terms of what they can do. They went from that to so much uncertainty. I mean, Terrell Pryor, in training camp in particular, he was like Superman. He, he's catching pass. He's jumping way into the air, soaring with the greatest of ease, catching passes. But that has not translated into the regular season. He looks like a guy who has only built, played wide receiver for a little over a year because guess what? That actually is the case. The former quarterback <laughs> turned receiver. He, he's got the skills, but drop, he's still dropping too many passes. At times, doesn't seem like he quite knows all the intricacies of being receiver a couple times when he goes over the middle, looks like he maybe pulls up a little bit, doesn't extend himself. Um, you know, so we'll see. He's definitely a work in progress. Josh Dotson is a different story with him. It's been a lot of injuries, uh, not being able to stay on the field. And, uh, but, but we see he flashes of the, of the freaky athleticism that he's got six, two, he's got a really a great vertical leap, runs like a four, five, 40, we're st- we see a moment or two a game where he puts it all together and you're like, Oh yeah, that's the guy. I actually think he's probably a better receiver than Terrell Pryor, but we just, he, he just hasn't been around, been on the field long enough to get there. I'm curious to see if after the bye week, maybe this will be a point where they can start getting him on the field more than just say 25 or so plays. And, and he becomes more of a factor. Uh, other thing for the Redskins, I mean, Jamison Crowder has turned into a really good slot receiver the past two years. But this year, with all those other things around him sort of not working, he has not been nearly as effective. So they really do need to get him going as well. 
Uh, let's flip over to the other side of the ball real quick and just looking at that injury report, we mentioned some of the guys on there already. Uh, starting running back Rob Kelly, you mentioned might not be playing this week. He's not practicing. Trent Williams, star left tackle, also not practicing, which hurts both the passing game and the running game. And cornerback Josh Norman, looks like he's out due to injury still. I believe it's a rib injury for him. So who is familiar foe Pierre Garçon that you mentioned a little bit ago likely to see in coverage? And are there some matchups the 49ers might be able to exploit in the passing game? Well, probably it'll be a lot of Pierre Garçon against Bashad Breeland, their other uh, primary starting corner who's been around here since his fourth year. Uh, that will be a, a fun matchup to watch. Garçon is a pretty intense guy, and Breeland is somebody, he's one of these players who feels like he's constantly underappreciated. Um, he's, he's had, he's got, he's pretty talented, but he's had some tough, tough times in the past against some of the better receivers. So interesting matchup to go against a guy he's practiced against, uh, so often. So that'll be interesting. Um, matchups to take advantage of, you know, the Redskins defense has been much improved this year. You know, there really was a, a weakness for this team the last couple of years, much improved, um, Inside linebacker Zach Brown has been a huge force. I think he leads the NFL in tackles, or at least he did before the Redskins' bye week. Um, he was out today with an illness. Jay Gruden said he assumes he'll be ready to go Sunday. If somehow he couldn't go, that would be a big blow uh, for uh, the Redskins. But I guess I would just say if you're looking for a take advantage of something, you know, so you know Josh Norman, a cornerback. They've got a rookie safety in Monte Nicholson, who's been pretty good, but nonetheless still a rookie. And if Norman's out, then another rookie, Fabian Moreau, probably has to play more as the third corner. Um, he hasn't play, he, He's a very athletic former UCLA kid, but he hasn't played a ton on defense yet. So having two rookies in the secondary, these guys are interesting, but nonetheless that may be an, an, a, a spot to take advantage of. Uh, one more guy I want to ask you about with regards to the 49ers is former head coach Jim Tom Sula. Kind of got a raw deal, wasn't cut out to be an NFL head coach, but was thrust into that role, and there was so much turmoil on top of that and retirements and stuff going on in San Francisco, the post-Jim Harbaugh era. Uh, but he did get a nice little payday, so I don't feel totally bad for Jim Tom Sula. But uh, he was always a great D-line coach, and it, and it seems like he's got things going in the right direction, and uh, that, that Redskins front is playing pretty well on D. Yeah, no, the defensive line was probably the most uncertain unit, I would say, on the entire team coming into the offseason. They, they added two free agents and Stacey McGee and Terrell McClain. They added their first-round pick, Jonathan Allen, out of Alabama. And they really didn't even, even with, beyond that, they really didn't have too much that was, to, to be viewed as a, as a real strength. Um, they don't really have an obvious nose tackle. And yet it's all been working fairly well. I think the, the players definitely give Thomas Ulu a lot of credit. I think his biggest... Uh, project that's been paying off has been uh, second-year lineman uh, Matt Ioannidis, uh, fifth-round pick a year ago. He gets cut uh, right off the bat uh, before week one. They bring him back in the practice squad, works his way back up into the roster. And this year, uh, again, at least before the bye week, he was one of the leaders among interior defensive linemen in terms of getting uh, quarterback pressures. He's like getting like three, four, five a game. And he's been a big force. Allen has helped transform the line as well. I mean, he was a guy who had a great reputation coming out of Alabama. He slipped in the first round a little, little bit. And I think there was a point where it was talking like the Niners could take him in the draft, you know, in, with the top five pick, and he slips to 17. So um, he's been good. So, yeah, Thomas Sula gets a lot of credit for turning what was considered to be a pretty poor unit into at least not, not you know, even maybe a little bit more than credible at this point. 
That is Ben Standy. You can find him on Twitter at Ben Standy. Covers the Redskins for FanRag, Scout.com, and part of the Locked On Fam hosting Locked On Wizards. Ben, I really appreciate the time and uh, have fun this week. I know you got a lot of things going on on your plate with some playoff baseball as well, so I'll let you get back to it. Hey, no problem. I appreciate the time. Good luck with the podcast. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Ben for joining the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back on Monday. Breaking it all down with a rapid react from the Niners week six matchup in Washington. Follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Email the show LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Go to LockedOn49ers.com. You can find links to everything you need and the stream of the show. And, of course, subscribe. Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. And if you're on iTunes, rate and review the show. Get yourself involved in this PFF Edge subscription giveaway. It's a value of $39.99 for the year. Could be yours for free. Just rate and review Locked On 49ers on iTunes. Talk to you guys on Monday right here on Locked On 49ers.